was back. No. She just left. Oh, she left. Oh, when I was on the phone with you, I was understanding she just got back. Okay, tell us about tell us about Haley. Went to Haiti. Does everybody know? So what, uh, what is the village that she's in in Haiti? Grand Guave, Port-au-Prince. Well, Port-au-Prince is where... That's where they would have come into the airport. Yes, and that's where all the unrest is. And then how far from Port-au-Prince did they have to travel? I don't know. Okay. A ways. A ways? Well, it takes... It's 60 miles from Port-au-Prince to Grand Guave, and it takes about three hours. It's crazy because there's a lot of stuff going on and big trucks and everything else. But anyway, um, I think I, I, now I remember what. I think she's gone for 10 days. Gone for 10 days. Okay. So they're with a mission there. Do you know the name of the mission? Okay. So, all right. So, um, so pray for Haley and, and uh, pray for their, their whole trip. Um, I, rem I remember what you were saying now. You were saying that she didn't, her parents didn't want her to go, and I remember you, but she was bound to determine that's what she wanted to do. But for some reason, I had it in my head she was back, but I'm sorry. And one more thing. My brother-in-law, who uh, last week discovered he went to his son's house because he didn't answer the phone, and the door was unlocked. He walked in and found him dead. Your brother-in-law's son. What's your brother-in-law's name again? Del. Del. just add for Mary mentioned too earlier and I know we already prayed and everything else but I was just thinking Mary mentioned earlier that her son got yeah, stung by a bee in the face he's gonna go fishing yes I like that Adam and David, and who else? Jerry. That is great. That's wonderful. Yep. I have to tell you, too, my daughter's um, past, the past year, she had $10 for, for her friend's cancer. 
We can't have praises today. We're having way too many praises. Who is this? The story, yeah. Story, because and he has actually started reading it. He is in. It takes him a while to read, but he is in what would be the middle of Exodus. Okay. So he is going through, and he marks stuff. And every week when he comes down, we talk about it. That's great. So, and I got lots of questions for you because he asked me questions a lot. <laughs> so is he? So is he? He's been actually enjoying that. And yes. And is is very open to he that. He's been really enjoying, it. and I stopped because he has a Bible, but he he gets and he likes reading stuff. I thought this would be easier for him, and so he's been he's been reading that, and uh, we talk about it, and he's he's thinking he's thinking an awful lot. <laughs> I think that uh, one of the one of the heartbreaks that that we have sometimes is when our own children or those close to us are are not sure whether, not sure, or they're definitely not believing in Jesus, and, and I know that that's something that's really been on your heart a lot, and so when they're open to it, it's an exciting thing, and, and um, so yes, that's really great, so, oh now, come praise. on. Another praise. <laughs> yes. Uh, we went to our great-grandson's first birthday yesterday. Yes. What's his name? Wallace. That's right. I remember that now. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, no, no, no. You get it all over your. You no, know, you Then you do drop them. All right. Is it allowed? It's allowed to have two prayer times in the Sunday. Sure. Is it allowed? Okay. Well, it's good. It's good. Well, already said about this prayer, but it was such a praise for her because 
you know, her pressure had been so much that yesterday she told her mom, she said, Mom, I can see so much better that it's like I got a new pair of glasses. Oh, wow. There was so much pressure behind her eyes that she oh, wow. literally, it was blinding her and she didn't know it. But so oh. the pressure is still. And you don't know if it's because you're feeling sick from the other, well, from her, the other you stuff that's going on. It when your eyes are going as you get old, you know, it's like, right. right. That was what it was. But, yeah. All right. So we were so thankful. Yeah. Well, let's pray together again. And, and uh, thank you for your praises and thank you for your, your requests. Uh, God, we just thank you again. We just come before you, and uh, we just are so excited that we can every every week, every day, every any time that uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a song that I sang when I was in high school. Every time I feel the Spirit, I will pray, and um, I think about all these things that we ought to be motivated to to stop and to 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 just take that time and to bring those things that are nearest and dearest to our heart before you. And so we certainly would uh, lift up Mary's son and for the bee stings and for the recovery from that and for um, um, for this, uh, for Scott's family, for Adele and for uh, just uh, those who are mourning his loss. And I know this is a difficult thing for Adele, but just pray that you would certainly be near him and just let him know of your peace at this time and your comfort and um, God we just uh, we're so excited for Haley certainly we lift her up in your prayers and and all of her friends and the the, the determination that she had to want to go to Haiti and and to minister there to uh, on this mission trip uh, just to uh, just to guide her and God through this whole process just to work through her through your spirit to to uh, reach uh, uh, people in Haiti for you. And I pray that in the midst of that also that this will do something for her as well, uh, spiritually, that it will help her and her friends that, to grow grow closer and closer to you because of this trip. Um, we, we, we would ask that you would return her safely. And uh, we would pray this in Jesus' name. And Father... Um, um, we would just praise, uh, give a praise for new life um, in in Christ for Adam, for David, for Jared, and um, we would um, uh, pray also uh, for, uh, or just praise you for Tyler and for his graduation. Um, we thank you for new life and new birth uh, for um, Ruth and for her grand grand. Uh, grand uh, kid that was just born and uh, now she can be a grandma and, um, or grandma to be uh, when that when that child is born um, father thank you for Georgie and for his for his desire to want to read the story and to to come to some kind of an understanding of who you are and I, I pray that God through your spirit that you would begin to uh, to work in his life and and open up some avenues of truth because we know that you are truth. Open up uh, just the, the truth to him so that it will uh, come um, become like a light bulb moment to him and, and that he begins to see who you are, truly who you are. And I pray that that will happen. And, uh, and for new, again, for uh, Wyatt, uh, for new life, Wyatt being one years old, we just are so thankful for him. And, um, 
God, we just are so thankful that you are in our lives. And we just thank you for this opportunity to be able to share these things before you. Father, you are a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of compassion, a God of love, a God of understanding, a God who knows us and knows our hearts and knows our thoughts and knows our desires and, and knows our hurts. And God, we just come and we present these things before you because we love you and we're so excited that we, each and every time, that we can bring our, our thoughts before you and um, that we can talk to you the God of the universe. And so we bring these to you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles today to the book of Ephesians. If you want to have your, your, your thumb uh, or your another hand or another finger or a bookmark or something else over into the book of Colossians, I was telling a couple of you beforehand that uh, uh, I did a bad thing today. I totally spaced putting the PowerPoint together. I didn't even think about it. And I got here and Susan's like, where do you want to have this? Where do you want that? And I'm like, oh, I didn't do that. So the bad thing is, the bad news is that we've got to use our Bibles today. It's a terrible thing. I know, um, actually a good thing, I think, for us to be able to open up our Bibles. I love to hear the the... I love to hear that um, when people are opening that up. But uh, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1 today and, and in Colossians chapter 3. Probably have a couple of other verses in here that I want to look at. Uh, and uh, so no PowerPoint, everything that I'd planned for that vanished. We're, we're going to be working on this. But Ephesians chapter 1, we're, God's story, that's, that's what we've been looking at, right? We're, we're coming really, really close to the end here. I know this has been a long time, but we've been looking at this from Genesis to Revelation. It's just, we've been telling that for a long time here now. And uh, God is always there. God has always had a plan, right? God has always known what has been going on. Always there making things right. Always had a plan for what this world was to look like when it was all finished. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I'd really like to back up just a minute, and I'd like to remind us that this world wasn't always as nice as we sometimes think it was, or that we think it is. God created a perfect place where He could talk with us and walk with us and live with us in connection, and we have messed it up. And there's lots of evidence that we live in a fallen world, and um, I, I want to share some of that with you. Um, I know that sometimes we don't need to be reminded of this, and I try not to do this very often, but I'm going to do it today. I got this from a website, actually a couple different websites. Here's what they say. Oh, I'm, I was going to write, um, I had it down, and I... 41 million people in the United States are living on the brink of hunger. 13 million children live in households that sometimes have difficulty finding food, providing food. 13 million children. Around 800 million people across the world, or one in nine people, suffer from hunger. Every day, more than 16,000 children die from hunger. 
or some hunger-related causes. One child every five seconds. That, to me, is evidence that we live in a fallen world. Not at all the world that God intended it to be. It's a world where things have simply fallen apart around us. Um, it isn't really hard for us to get our hands on some of the information. In our broken world, the primary thing I think, though, that is broken is relationships. And that's not new information. Adam and Eve, they started in a perfect relationship with each other and with God, and it wasn't long that all of a sudden sin had fractured that relationship uh, their, their relationship with one another, also their relationship with God, and also their relationship with their world. Now, we've been told this for a long time, and actually, this is, this is actually kind of pretty good, and yet it's, 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 and yet it's really bad, okay? But we have actually been told this. There's a, since, as long as I've been in ministry, we've had this statistic that's been out there that says that 50% in, of all marriages end in divorce. Have you, how many of you have ever heard that? Okay, it's wrong. I mean, I did a lot of looking at this this week, and I realized that this is not really truly the case. So that's a good thing. Um, I'm told that something like 65% of all remarriages actually end in divorce, and statistics have actually been thrown around pretty, as a, you know, painting a pretty grim picture of the likelihood of, of people making it to their fifth wedding anniversary, let alone their 25th. I mean, the statistics are all out there. And, 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 and so I was really pleasantly surprised when I started looking into this and, and kind of researching this this week and rather briefly, okay? So, I mean, just let, let you know. I mean, um, tried to look at the big picture of things. Um, but I was really pleasantly surprised to find out that a lot of those things were predictions, merely estimates based more upon the assumption of things rather than facts. They're predicting things. And what those estimates don't take into account are things like the number of existing marriages that are there. So they'll say, this is how many people got married this year, this is how many people got a divorce this year, and since there was 2,500 divorces and 2,500 marriages, that means that 50% ended in divorce. Well, what about the 10,000 or 10 million marriages that already exist. You, you get what I'm saying? The, the, the facts are not there. And most of them are kind of just sort of trying to predict all of that. Um, another thing that they, don't off, that they oftentimes don't take into account is the fact that some marriages, end, and, and these are some of, it depends on what study you're looking at, but some marriages don't end in divorce. What they end up in, they end because of, a, of the death of a spouse. So that is throwing, there's some things as far as that. So, but, but look at what, so, I, so I'm, I'm asking myself, what is the truth? Well, what we do know is, is there's a number of factors that, that, that really affect divorce rates. Um, that really, number one is age does make a difference when you get married. If you get married under the age of 20, you've got a higher risk, uh, they, they would say. Um, we do know that the longer that you're married, the less likely you are to get a divorce. That's pretty good. That's that makes a lot of sense. We do know that if your parents didn't divorce, your chances are better than if you came from a broken home. We do know that. We do know that couples who live together before marriage are more likely to divorce than those who don't. We do know that. And from what I can tell, based upon a rather brief look at those things, it really is more like 
Um, uh, who did the study? Um, can't think of it now, but it is really more like 34% of marriages end in divorce. And actually, there was a study that went out. One, one person is, uh, was looking at it, and they said that basically 11 to 12% of the people who are married, um, how, how do I say that? 11 to the 12% of marriages, or 11, 11 or 12% of people who are married have been divorced. Which means that some of those are getting divorced more than once. Do you follow what I'm? You follow the statistic, okay? So what what I'm saying is is that it's it, it's that's the good news is that it's not as bad as we thought it was, but it's also the bad news because all of it underlies, I think, the fact that we live in a in in a, in, a, in a fallen world that has broken relationships. It's it's we understand that we can see that, but we have seen that from the beginning. What started out as a pretty small, uh, I'm pretty normal family. I mean. Uh, ended up being, you know, one son here kills another son, and from there we begin to watch as the world just begins to, te to deteriorate around us. And it wasn't just that; it was, it wasn't just that it was a fractured, uh, uh, that it was fractured in relationships between human beings. It was fractured in relationships between them and our earth, between us and the earth. What should have been a pleasant experience of producing from the ground became labor and work and thorns and weeds. We began a fractured relationship with the very earth itself. Uh, we get introduced to a character by the name of Abraham, and through him God was going to produce a people through whom there would be a promise of hope and reconciliation, and the world would come back into the place that God had actually designed it initially to be, and yet this son, Isaac, the child of promise, Abraham couldn't wait for him. And so what does he do? He has a child through his handmaiden, uh, and, and uh, that child's son's name is Ishmael. And Ishmael and Isaac, they went to war with each other, and yet we don't recognize that much unless we hear it this way, Arabs and Jews, because that's their lineage. All of that war over there in the Middle East dates all the way back to the fracture that took place in Abraham's family. And when you begin to think about it, uh, think of nations doing battle against nations, it, it doesn't take very long to understand just how destructive the destruction of humanity has become. There's a website listing all of the war casualties in, in the 20th and 21st century. I'm not going to go through all those. It, it's startling. I mean, you, you start looking at that and all those numbers and you go down, I mean, just, it, just, it just blows your mind. Um, I, I, I looked at some of the bigger ones from 1950 uh, on. There's a lot there. If you, if you start looking at some of the, um, I mean, there's a, I mean, it, 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 it's complete with a list of, um, there's one website that has a complete list of, of, of countries that actually decimate their people and things like that. And it just, it goes down and it, 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 it just blows my mind. But this is just a sample of some of those since 1950. Three, people, three million people died in the Korean War, Americans and others. 2.2 uh, million in, in the Sudan. Uh, 1.5 million in Ethiopia. 2 million in Vietnam. 2 million in Cambodia. Almost 2 million 
in Afghanistan. It's estimated that 203 million people died by war and oppression in the 20th century alone. That's a lot of people, 203 million people by war and depression. We just go, we just go on destroying each other as nations go on, go to war with, against nations as relationships continue to fracture, not only within families, but, with the, but between whole nations and between ethnic groups. And that's to say nothing of the fracture that occurs within the very world in which we live, the earth upon which we walk. Here in the past few years, you remember hearing numerous stories, past few, past few weeks, right? Floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, volcanic eruptions. That's cool. I, I haven't heard anything lately on, on the Hawaii volcano stuff. Still going, still flowing. Um, earthquakes, tsunamis, fires. The fires going on in California right now. Train crashes, plane crashes. Um, I was just watching the news. I, I thought about I, how, do you, how do you do this? I mean, I could just put, pull in a bunch of local stuff. I mean, last night, just right off, all of a sudden, five killed in this airplane crash. Uh, Twelve was killed in, 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 uh, in some kind of some other airplane crash over in Russia. Uh, five was somewhere in the ninth North Carolina, I think, just last night. Um, um, but the list just goes on and on and on. You think about some of those disasters and natural disasters and, and, and terrible things. That, but we live in a broken world. And, but we've done, I think, what we could do to fix it, right? We live in a broken world. But we've done what we think, what we, what we, think we can do to fix it. I mean, you've got to give us credit for that, right? We've tried to fix our broken world. We've taken a look at our world and we've said, you know, here are the things that we can do. After all, we're strong-minded human beings. We're reasonably intelligent. We can pull some things together and we can make some things happen. And so on this island in, uh, uh, that we call Manhattan, what did they do? They erected an enormous building called the United Nations. And on the side of that building, we put a text from Isaiah that says this, they shall beat their, plow share, uh, their, their swords into plowshares, will turn the weapons of war into the weapons of production and peace. In fact, in fact, Russia actually gave us some kind of a statue that has them doing that. We've taken a shot at peace. September 18th, 1978 was supposed to be the day that was to mark a major turn in the history of the world. Does anybody remember what that was? It really was when I was, I was pretty young. I was only 13. Menachem Begin. Anybody know? Anwar Sadat and Jimmy Carter did something. They signed a peace treaty that what was it supposed to do? It was, supposed to, it was supposed to end the war in the Middle East. Guess what? There's still war in the, <laughs> there's still war in the Middle East. <laughs> well, enough of that for now. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse number 12. 
I know I told you from chapter 1, but we're going to go back to that. Guaranteed. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. The Apostle Paul summarizes the mess we're in with those words. That seems to be the main summary of why the world is in such a mess, that we lived without hope and without God. Now keep your fingers there in Ephesians chapter, we're going to go back to actually Ephesians chapter 1, one I think. But go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And look at verse number 12. I'm sorry, 21. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Do you hear that? We are enemies of His. We were alienated from one another. We were separated not only from Him, uh, but from us. But listen, because the next phrase then... The next phrase of that, verse number 22, that is the most significant words I think that we're going to hear. But now. But now. Once you used to be alienated, but now. Once you were, but now, he says, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. You were alienated, but in Christ, reconciliation recurs, or occurs. You were alienated, but in Christ, reconciliation occurs. Okay, come back to the second chapter of Ephesians. Come to the beginning of that chapter. The beginning of that chapter. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We got her? As for you, he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in, transgression, in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance, 
in advance for us to do. We were lost. We were alienated. We were separated. And God in Christ has reconciled us to himself and to each other. I mean, I just, you, you read through that and it's like in Christ, in him, in, in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I think 12, 12, 13 times that you go through that passage and it just keeps bringing it up. In Christ, in Christ. And, and, and this incredible redemptive act of God, this act where our fractured world gets put back together, was the gift of his son whose life we celebrate every single week. We come to this place with this hope that Jesus Christ came into this world to reconcile the world to himself. And we celebrate that reconciliation every week when we share in the Lord's Supper and are reminded about the death of Jesus Christ. And you can't come to this table here and hold those broken pieces of bread and hold that little cup of juice without recognizing that while we live in this broken world, God has done some very incredible things. God has done some incredible things at bringing that back together. And so what we want to do is we're going to, have, we're going to celebrate the supper right now. And we're going to be reminded of how significant that that event in history really was. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of the fact that, that God is in the process of pulling the world back together. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll take share in the Lord's Supper. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you are, in fact, in that process, and we, we want to hear that. We realize we do live in a broken world, but that's exactly, precisely the reason why you came. Remind us of that. Remind us that you are all about reconciliation. You are all about redemption. I pray that you bless the cup and a loaf as we partake in Jesus. You know, one of the things that I pray about quite often is that God would not um, allow me to be, to take for granted, I guess, the things that he's done. Because I think one of the most difficult things for me is to, to, uh, to continue to be excited about what he's done and to, um, to not let that get old and to not be excited about what that means for those around us and our responsibility to share with others. Because God has revealed to us his, mysteri his mysterious planning regarding Christ. And this is the plan. This is, where, this, is, this is what it has always been. God, at the right time, will bring everything together under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. Everything brought together under the authority of Christ. Everything. Heaven and earth, all of that. God's ultimate plan is to bring everything back together. I know it looks bad. I know that there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of junk that's going on all around us and, and a lot of stuff. But, but God's plan is to bring all that back together so that eventually it will, be, it will look a lot like it did in the very first place. 
His plan is to have a whole world that is one piece again. It's for us to live in reconciled relationships. But I think it's even bigger than just you and me living a relationship with one another. It really extends to the whole universe, the whole world. I, I want you to think about a couple of texts. Romans chapter 8, where Paul makes this comment in chapter 8, in verse number 18. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He says, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice. Let me read that again. The creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Even creation itself longs for the day that it will be back together. That has been God's plan. That has, has, has always been His plan, that the earth and its inhabitants will live in reconciled relationships. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine a world in which there's no war? Can you imagine a world in which there is no terrorist attacks on anyone's soil? Can, can you imagine a world where people live together in peace? Can you imagine a, a, a world where there are no earthquakes, where there are no tornadoes, where, where, where there are, are no tragedies of any sort under any circumstances of any kind? Can you imagine a world where there is no discrimination? where people treat each other with dignity, where they treat each other with respect at all times, under all circumstances, and it doesn't matter who you are. Can you imagine living in a world there's no divorce, there's no disease, there's no, there's no death, that everyone's living in reconciliation with one another. Can you imagine a world like that? Because that's the world that God's creating. It's called a new heaven and a new earth. And it's designed to be just like the one that he started with. It, it, it's all coming back together. That's his goal. His plan is to bring all of that stuff back together under one head, Jesus Christ. Now, now the problem is, I don't really have a lot of control over that. I can't do much about global warming. I have very little control over whether or not another tornado happens to, to hit or not. That just seems to be really outside of the human grasp. But I think that there are some things that we do have control over. There are some things that we can do to contribute to this reconciling process. We can start by being responsible for the very world in which we live, I think. Christians actually caring about the world that they live in. Things like, I mean, this, this is some practical stuff. I mean, things like being responsible for things like recycling. You know, and not creating products or filling our landfills with products that, that will be here thousands of years from now if we happen to be around by then. You know, being Christian enough to treat the world with the dignity that God created it, it with. But I mean, why wouldn't Christians care about the world, right? That would be the question. Why wouldn't Christians, if, God, if it's God's world, if God has given that to us, why would we not take care of it? That certainly is something we can control. 
And there's so many other things that you and I can control, I think. So, so many things that we have, that we have our, that we do have our hands on. We, we can control discrimination in our world. At least the discrimination of which we're aware, the one, the discrimination of which we are a part. Uh, I can take responsibility for that. I can at least do something about the part of the world which I live in. And, and why would we not want to do that if we're Christians? If we're all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, why would we not want that to do that with each other? I, I'm reminded of, um, of what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, male nor, feather, male nor female, because we are all one in Christ Jesus. We may not be able to stop discrimination anywhere else, but we can in the church. We can right here, where we are brothers and we are sisters in Jesus Christ. See, there are some things that we have control over. I can't control global warming, I, but I can control whether or not I in any way discriminate with other people. I have control over at least some other things in my life. I, I do have some control over divorce and whether or not I stay married. I have some control over whether or not I will be reconciled with the people with whom I disagree. It's my choice when I decide when I decide to be reconciled with you or not. It's my choice whether or not I decide to carry around a grudge the rest of my life inside my heart. That's my choice. That's a choice. And I have control over that. See, I can be a part of the reconciling process of God. All I have to do is have the courage to fix that. But that's all it takes. It's, it's the blood of Jesus Christ coming to bear on every single one of us, saying to us, be, uh, you know, we're going to help God put this world together because that's really what He's doing. That's what His plan is in Christ to bring all things together under one head, Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening. That's happening today. Whether we participate in it or not, that's immaterial. God is going to get that done. He is going to pull this world back together in ways that we can share in this remarkable reconciliation among men. Uh, Listen to Colossians 3, and this is in in verse number 12. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them, under, binds them all together in perfect unity. Or over in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, where Paul starts the chapter you know, talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ whose life has been transformed, whose mind has been renewed in Jesus Christ. But listen to what he says down in verse number 10. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Skip down to verse 13. Share with God's people who are in need. 
Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's a big load to, to lay on us, isn't it? He just lays down this responsibility on all of us, and he just simply says, let's do these things. We can't control everything. But the things that we can control, we ought to control. And so he calls on us to participate in our world to participate as this world begins to come back together, as everything begins to come together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and as we begin to see reconciliation occur. That is Paul's message in Ephesians chapter, in Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, that, that reconciliation is something that starts in the church. It starts right here. It starts among us. It, it, it starts to be visible to the world when you and I take seriously, when we take each other seriously, uh, when we take uh, not only that, but this, our, our uh, need to, be, to act kindly and lovingly and, and gracefully to one another. That's the world, though, that he's putting back together, reconciling the world together in the church of Jesus Christ and if it can't happen here, I don't believe it can happen anywhere. Where does that happen? Where do marriages and families come back together? Where is discrimination broken down? Where do grieving people find peace? Where is it that the world begins to change? It happens, as Paul says in Ephesians, it happens in Christ. If it doesn't happen in Christ, it's not going to happen. But wasn't that the text? That he was bringing everything together under one head in Christ, in Jesus Christ, in him, through him. It happens in Christ. And if it doesn't happen in Christ, it's not going to happen. You see, that simple statement in the middle of, of, of chapter 1 is right in the middle of one long, long sentence. Paul starts out Ephesians by talking about what it means to be blessed by God when you are in Christ. Where does, re where does reconciliation take place? Where? It takes place in Christ. In Christ. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a world where there's no disaster? Can you imagine a world where there's no divorce, no discrimination, where kids can grow up in, where they don't have to grow up in broken homes? Can you imagine where a world in which Christ is literally the Lord of every life? That is the world that's coming, by the way. It starts right here in the church, and we live in the anticipation that when Jesus Christ returns, that, that that is the world that we will have. Can you imagine that, though? Can you imagine that, that, that kind of a world 
begin to imagine what a world that is put back together by God would look like. That's the challenge. Let's pray together. Father, we do know that you are sovereign. We do know that you are in control. And God, I'm just amazed at who you are and what you have done and what you are creating and what you are are doing, your plans. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us. Help us to get onto your, onto your, uh, on with your plans. Because we know that you are creating something incredible. We know that you're all about reconciliation, about redeeming this world, redeeming each and every single life. Father, and I pray that you help us to get on board with that. Help us be the people who are able to, um, to make a difference around us because of what you've done for us. And to leave this place today go back to our individual lives and to be looking for those opportunities that you put in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand?